0: Good morning and welcome to the River of Life Sunday Morning Podcast. If you're local to Wakulla County, we'd love to see you and worship with you in person. May God bless you, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. If you think about it just for a moment, that's shouting ground, isn't it? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible tells us that He was sent into the world. To bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Wow, that's absolutely awesome. Hey, just a couple of announcements Uh, beginning next Sunday, January the 3rd, we will go to two services, not three, but two services. So we're pulling it back in a little bit. Uh, The first service will be at 830. Uh, the second service will be at 10 30. So if you come at 10 o'clock, you'll be 30 minutes early and you'll be a part of the prayer team. And so, uh, uh, but anyway, so just two services, eight thirty and ten thirty. Also, another very important announcement is, uh, January the 10th. We are kicking off life groups and, uh, we have, yeah, yeah. By the way, Pastor Coburn, how many do we have signed up? We've got about 30 life groups. that are going to be kicking off that right now. I'll just check between the two of you. Okay. Uh, And so uh, we have directories in the lobby, pick up a directory, look through it, um, Pray over it. Ask the Lord where he wants you to get involved and then get connected in a life group. Also, uh, as always, and this will change next week, we want to go back to actually participating in a worship experience where we bring our tithes and offerings. We'll do that. But for today, um, the uh, tithes... Uh, in offering boxes or at the exits. And so this time, one of our board members, uh, Brother Derek Gray, will come and minister to us. And as he comes, I would like for us to pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the spirit of the Lord that brings freedom. And Father, we just thank you for what we're about to hear. Uh, we pray that you will anoint our brother. He has spoken to us and taught us many times but we pray today for a very special heavenly and holy anointing upon him. But, Father, please, please, don't just anoint his words. Anoint our hearing so that we can receive it and that we leave here changed because we've heard the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. If you've got your Bibles and you'd like to follow along, our passage this morning is going to be out of Romans chapter 4. Verses 20 through 25. They'll, of course, put it up on the the screen here. But if you want to follow along in your Bible, Romans 4, 20 through 25. The, The title of my message this morning is, Why Faith? Question mark. Why Faith? One of the things that's always fascinated me about God is why does he do things the way he does them? I don't know about you, but if you've ever noticed this, God does things about the exact opposite of the way we would do them. Have you ever noticed that? It just, he just kind of always thinks outside the box. Why faith? Let's read our passage first, Romans four, twenty through 25. This is the Apostle Paul talking about Abraham. He said, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. As I said earlier, it's one of the things that's always fascinated me is why God does things the way he does. Uh, I believe it's in the book of Isaiah. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. But you understand God has thoughts. We're created in His image. We, we think. We're rational beings. God has thoughts. And, and I, I think about different things. Let's take, for example, salvation. You understand there were different options on the table for salvation. God could have chosen to save no one. Or God could have chosen to save everyone. But see, we know from Scripture that's not true. Jesus said, on the last day, I'll separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep will go into eternal rest with my father, the goats, into eternal destruction. In fact, according to Scripture, we know the few are being saved, and the many are not. God could have chosen to institute a works-based salvation if he wanted to. Not too long ago, I was teaching a lesson and I was doing some a uh, little bit of research into Islam. And I was wondering, wonder, wonder how people how Muslims think they get saved. Well, it turns out. They have something called the five pillars of Islam. Uh, the first is faith, you must believe that Allah is God. The second is you must man- it's mandatory that you give uh, alms or you give to charity. The third one it's mandatory that you pray three times a day. The fourth one it's mandatory that you fast during the month of Ramadan and the fifth one it's mandatory that you make a pilgrimage to Mecca at least once in your lifetime. So you got a little bit of faith, but you got a whole lot of works. God could have chosen that way, but he didn't. You see, the way God chose is this, faith alone in Christ alone. Faith alone in Christ alone. In in fact, God chose faith completely. It has to have nothing to do with works. Romans 4, 4 through 5 said this, now to him who works, his faith is, I mean, his uh, wages are not counted as, as grace, but as his due. But to him who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted to him as righteousness. Faith alone, but in Christ alone, that's the way that God chose to do it. Now, my question is, why? I just want to know, why, God, why did you choose faith? Why is it faith that connects a human being to this great salvation that he's provided through his son, Jesus Christ. Well, it turns out the Bible actually gives us several reasons. One of the reasons the Bible tells us is that faith excludes boasting. I mean, if you didn't work for it, you didn't earn it, you didn't merit it, you didn't deserve it, well, you certainly can't brag about it, right? That's, that's one reason. Another reason the Bible tells us in the book of Romans is that faith is the only condition of the human heart that agrees perfectly with grace. In fact, the word is, it harmonizes with grace. They they fit perfectly together. Well, why is that? Because faith comes to God and confesses, I'm a spiritual beggar. Faith says, God, I got nothing to bring to the table. I got no works. I got no no great character. I I got nothing. I'm a spiritual beggar. And faith relies completely on grace. To pay the debt. Not, not It doesn't rely 99% on grace or 99.99% on grace. It relies completely on grace to pay its debt. So that's two reasons. The, the third reason is one that we're going to talk about this morning and the one that I want to focus on is that our faith glorifies God. Our faith glorifies God. Let's go back and read verse 20. Again, this is Paul talking about Abraham. He says, no unbelief made him, Abraham, waver concerning the promise of God. And watch what he says. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. See, not only does our faith glorify God, but there's a direct correlation between the strength of our faith and how much glory God gets. Now, before I go too far, I want to make sure we understand what glory is. The Hebrew word is a really interesting word in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word for glory literally means heavy or weighty. Have you ever ever been in a conversation with someone and you hear somebody refer to somebody as a lightweight? He's a lightweight or she's a lightweight. But what does that mean? It means they have no importance. They they bring no value to the table in, in whatever it is that you're engaged in. They're a lightweight. God's not a lightweight. God is weighty, God is heavy. See, what that refers to is his importance, his splendor, his beauty, his, his majesty, his holiness, his honor. God is heavy, he's important, he's weighty. And see, we and here's the other thing I want you to understand about glory. When we bring glory to God or we give glory to God, we're not giving him something he doesn't already have. Does everybody understand that? We're not not giving Him something He doesn't already possess. God is God whether you want to recognize it or not. It doesn't change a thing. When we give glory to God, what we're doing is we're calling attention to His beauty. We're calling attention to His value. We're calling attention to his, His holiness, to His weightiness, if you will. You see, this is something that the universe, the creation, does every single day. Psalm 19.1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. How many of y'all saw the the Christmas star uh, this past week? Um, I was reading about that, and it turned out when I read it, it said, well, it won't happen again for 800 years. So I thought, wow, this is an event of a lifetime. Um, A lot of people won't even be able to see it. I'm going to go see this thing, and I began to read about it. ...to research it and thought, you know, that's something I need to know about. Now, I, I, you're probably like me. Once I get on the internet and look at one thing, I just go down a rabbit hole, right? I go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Well, I begin to find myself looking at the size of the universe. And, and I don't know about you, but if you've ever looked at this... ...but this, the universe is unbelievably huge. In, in fact, it's so big that scientists don't even talk about it in miles... ...because the numbers are just, they don't mean anything to our minds... They actually talk about it in light years. So let me give you a little lesson this morning. A light year is, uh, is the distance, or a, a light we know travels at 186,000 miles per second. Okay, that's how fast light travels. Now, again, that, don't, I, that didn't mean a lot to me. I need some kind of frame of reference. So here's a good frame of reference. We know that New York to LA, the distance across this country is about 2,800 miles light can go from New York to LA 66 times in 1 second. That helps you a little bit, right? 66 times bzzz, like just like that, right? You didn't know you were going to get sound effects this morning, but <laughs> just that fast. 66 times across this country in 1 second. Now let's zoom out a little bit and let's look at the sun. The sun is 93 million miles away from us. Light, it takes light 8 minutes. ...to travel 93 million miles. So the light, if you walk outside, the light you're seeing... ...was actually created on the sun eight minutes ago. It takes it eight minutes to travel here to our eyes on this earth. Now that's a long way. But let's zoom out even further to our solar system. How many know the name of our solar system? Actually, the galaxy. I said it wrong, right? It's not our solar system, it's our galaxy. Our galaxy is the Milky Way, and the Milky Way is monstrously huge... Scientists have, have measured it, the, it is 100,000 light years across. That means, let me put it in a frame of reference, if somebody on one edge of the galaxy turned on a flashlight, it would take 100,000 years for somebody on the other side to see it. A hundred, that's just our galaxy. By the way, our galaxy contains 100 billion stars. 100 billion I got interested and I thought, you know, when you walk outside at night, I wonder how many of those hundred billion stars you actually see. Well, it turns out that on an ideal conditions, if you're out in the middle of the desert and there's absolutely no uh, uh, light out there to interfere and the the conditions are absolutely perfect, that on a night you will see about 5,000 stars. That's the most you ever see. A hundred billion and with the naked eye, you can only see 5,000 By the way, our galaxy, this is where it really gets mind-boggling. Our galaxy is not the only galaxy. Our neighboring galaxy is a galaxy called the Andromeda Galaxy. It's 220 light-years across. There's another galaxy out there that's named IC 1101. It's 4 million light-years across. Which means if somebody on the edge of that galaxy turned on a flashlight, it would take 4 million years for light to travel across to the other side of that galaxy. By the way, do you know how many galaxies are in our universe? Scientists estimate one trillion. A trillion galaxies. And each one of those galaxies contains a hundred billion plus stars. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, what's the point of all that? What's the point of all that space? What's the point of all the trillion galaxies? What's the point of stars that you'll never see? I'll tell you what the point is, folks. The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the beauty, the majesty, the splendor, the the weightiness of our God. In fact, I I like to put it in, in, in my own way. The heavens are screaming, what kind of God is this that created all of that with the word of his mouth? What kind of God is that? Let me tell you, you want to ask me what's the purpose of all that? I'll tell you, that's its highest purpose. That's its highest purpose, the stars and the galaxy and the black holes and the, all the nebula and the suns and all the other things. Its highest purpose is to call attention to the weightiness of God. Now, let's zoom back in. That's all nice and fun, and I like to talk about that, but let's come back to you and me. What's our purpose? I don't know about you, but um, I'm not that important. I'm just not that important. I'm not powerful. I'm not rich. I'm not famous. I'm not going down in any history books. Nobody even really knows who I am. And that's true for the vast majority of y'all in here, as I said in the first service, with the exception of Pastor Henry, of course. But we're, you know, what's my purpose here? What's my, what's the point of it all? Out of the billions and billions of billions of people that existed down through time, what's my purpose? Well, folks, it turns out it's exactly the same. It's not a mystery. The Bible is extremely clear. Ephesians 1:11 through 12 says this, In Him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be, read it with me, for the praise of His glory. We were chosen in order that we might be to the praise of His glory. Earlier in, in, uh, in Ephesians, Paul actually gets a little more specific. He says, we were chosen to the praise of the glory of His grace. It's this incredible thing. It turns out that you and I can glorify God in a way the universe never can. You see, a human heart that's, had its, uh, that's been changed from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh a human being that's been reborn, that's been regenerated, that's been indwelt by the Spirit of God, can glorify God, call attention to His beauty and His holiness and a grace in a way that stars and nebula and black holes and galaxies and solar systems never could. That's the point. That's our purpose. Now, I want to get down very specific this morning. How do we do that? If that's my purpose is to glorify God... How do I do that? Well, it turns out in the Bible, there's a lot of ways to glorify God. I can glorify God as a father. The the book of Malachi says that one of the reasons my wife and I are married is to raise godly children. That's one of the points of marriage is to raise godly children. So as a father, as I teach my boys about Christ and about his ways, I'm glorifying God. I'm I'm pointing them, the next generation, when I'm gone, that they'll carry on. I I can do that. As a husband, I can glorify God Uh, according to Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. When I do that, I'm glorifying God. I I can do it as an employee. I can do all things uh, as unto the Lord, the Bible says. In fact, Paul goes on, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. There's a lot of ways that we can glorify God, but listen to me. None of that is possible without faith. None of that is even possible without faith. Hebrews 11, 6 says this, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You see, not, it's, it, the faith, faith has to be the foundation of everything that we do. Or or all that stuff means absolutely nothing. There were some men that came to Jesus in John chapter 6. And they asked Jesus, they said, Lord, what must we do to work the works of God? And Jesus responded with one of the greatest answers. He said, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he sent. See, that has to come first is faith. You want to work the works of God? Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus Christ. That is the foundation. So it starts with faith. Well, how does faith glorify God? Well, let's go back to our verses, verses 20 and 21, and let's, uh, let's read that. It says this about Abraham. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, and here it goes, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That's how Abraham glorified God. He was fully convinced in his heart that God was able to do as he had promised. You see, folks, that's what faith is. It's pretty simple. It's just believing that God can do what he said he would do. It's just believing. I don't need stuff. I don't need things to prop it up. I just believe it because he said it. That's what faith is. See, faith says, I'm going to trust God... To work all things for my good. That's Romans 8, 28. By the way, that's the good things and the bad. I trust God that He's going to take all those things and work them out for my good. Faith says, I trust God to be with me till the very end. Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Faith says, I believe that. I trust that. Faith says, I trust God to help me and strengthen me and uphold me, that He'll always be there for me, no matter what. Faith says, I trust God. Faith says, I trust God to meet all my needs according to His riches in Christ's glory. And then faith says, I trust Him to bring me safely home to heaven. Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I'm coming again. I'm coming again. And faith says, I believe that just because he said it. I don't need anything else. Faith says, I trust that. Abraham, man, what a great guy to study. What a great guy to study. Yeah, I told Pastor Henry before we started, you know, you read the whole Bible with Abraham, faith. Nothing's really changed. Nothing's really changed. It all started with faith and it all ends with faith. God's just asking us to believe in him. Abraham, one day God brought him outside his tent. He said, Abraham, I want you to look up. And he says, if you can number the stars, he said, that's how many descendants you're going to have. Now, obviously, we know there's only about 5,000. But when you look up at night, it's, it looks like a lot, doesn't it? He said, that's, if you can number them, that's how many descendants you're going to have. Now, by the way, Abraham at the time was 99 years old. His wife, Sarah, was 90 years old. They had been trying for years to have a baby. Years to have a baby, and it just wasn't happening. It never did happen. In fact, now she's 90 years old. Her uh, her, her her childbearing years are behind her. Um, she's past that time. She her, her womb is dead. She cannot have any children. And God says, I'm going to give you offspring. And Abraham said, okay, I believe you. Just that simple. He had no idea how God could ever make that happen. He had no clue how God was going to bring it about. He didn't need to know. He just said, I believe you. And the Bible says that faith was counted to him as righteousness. Listen to me. When you trust God in a situation like that, what does it say about God? It says he's trustworthy. It says he's beautiful. And splendorous and honest and holy and and majestic and all of those things when you just believe him see that's how we as human beings can glorify him in a way that the sun can't believe God the universes can't believe God none of this stuff can but we can we can just take him at his word and that glorifies God in a way that nothing else can there's another story about Abraham that I absolutely love Abraham and his because it's, it's so indicative of his faith and the beauty of his faith. Abraham and his, his uh, nephew Lot were, uh, uh, had been together for a long time traveling. And in that day, of course, uh, they had a lot of servants and they had a lot of uh, uh, family and they had a lot of cows and sheep and goats and camels and whatever else uh, people accumulated in those days. And it got to the point where there were so many animals and so many people. They just, the land couldn't sustain them anymore. There just wasn't enough grass, wasn't enough stuff that they needed. So Abraham came to Lot. He said, look, uh, you know, I'd love to stay together, but we got to break up. We got to go one way or the other. Now, Abraham was the older. He was the uncle. It fell to him. He could have chosen any piece of land that he wanted, but he didn't. He didn't. Abraham did it a different way. He said, God, I'm going to let you handle this. So he went to his nephew, and he called him in, and I think it's in Genesis 13, 9. And he said, Lot, he says, if you take the left, I'll go to the right. And if you take the right, I'll go to the left. See, Abraham just stepped back. And by the way, he opened himself up to be taken advantage of. But he put it in God's hands. Now, Lot, by the way, he took a different tact. The Bible says in Genesis, I'll read this to you, Genesis 13, 10, 11. And it says this, listen, and Lot lifted up his eyes and he looked over and he saw the Jordan Valley. He could see the Jordan Valley and he said it was well watered like Egypt, like even like the Garden of Eden. And Lot said, I'll take the Jordan Valley. And Abraham said, okay. And so Lot picked up and left and he went over to the Jordan Valley and he left Abraham in this dry, arid place. And a few days later, God comes to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, now lift up your eyes. Look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. It's all yours. I give it all to you and to your descendants forever. See, God always rewards faith. God always rewards faith. Listen, there's a lot of people right now that are making choices based on what they see. There's a lot of people out there making choices based on how they feel. There's a lot of people that right now it looks like they got it better, but God always, always rewards faith. Folks, listen, that's not just for Abraham. The Apostle Paul wants us to see that this is also for you and I. Let's read the rest of our verses, Romans uh, 4, 22 to 25 It says, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But listen, but the words that were counted to him, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Pastor Henry is going to come in just a moment. And, uh, and talk to us about something. He's got an announcement he needs to make. And, but before he comes, I want to ask you a question. Are you living a life of purpose? And by the way, if you haven't figured it out, a life of purpose is a fa- living a life of faith that glorifies God, a life of faith that calls attention to his weightiness. Are you living that kind of, that kind of life? Is your faith glorifying God? Listen, I know that 2020 has been a challenging year. I get that. It's been challenging for some of us personally. It's been challenging for our families. It was challenging for our church. It was challenging for our country. But I'm going to be really honest with you. I was watching uh, something news the other day, and somebody was just going off about how terrible a year it was, and they're ready to see it all in, in the rearview mirror. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, this, this was one of the greatest years of my life. Because, folks, I'm standing on a rock. I'm standing on a rock. And, and there's something about this year that just made me look down. And with all the social upheaval and the political upheaval and all the stuff going on, and that rock ain't moving. That rock ain't moving. And my faith at the end of 2020 is way stronger than it was at the beginning of 2020. And that's a successful year. Listen to me, we, it was challenging, sure, but life's always challenging. 20, if you think 2021 is going to be any different, listen, 2021 will bring its own challenges, and the year after that, and the year after that. But I'm standing here to tell you, I choose God. Amen. I choose God. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but I choose God. Psalms 91 says it this way, Pestilence may rage around me, but God is my fortress. God is my strength. God is my shield. God is my strong right hand. I choose God. You see, the fact is, every day we're confronted with the same choice as Abraham. Same choice, every single day. Are you going to choose what you see with your eyes? are you going to choose what you can't see? Are you going to choose what your feelings tell you to do? Or are you going to choose to stand on the promises of God? Are you going to choose fear? Or are you going to choose faith? Are you going to, you going to choose this earth that's going to be, uh, eventually is going to be gone? Are you going to choose its, its riches and its pleasures and its lust? Or are you going to choose a city that's being prepared for you? I choose God. Listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, I implore you, choose God. Choose Him. It will change your life. There is nothing like it. There is nothing like living a life of peace and joy because you're standing on a rock that does not move. Choose Him. Choose Him. You'll never regret it. And Christians, as I said in the earlier service, I implore you, I implore you in 2021, choose faith. Choose faith. The world is getting darker and darker and darker. But in that darkness, lightness will shine brighter and brighter and brighter. But the light is in us. Jesus said they'll see your good works and glorify your Father. They'll see your good works and it'll draw attention to the Father. It'll call attention to His beauty, to His majesty, to His glory, to His holiness, to His Weightiness. I don't know about you, but I choose God. Pastor Henry, will you come and I'll pray? Father, Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the gift that you've given us. Man, what, what a gift to have your feet planted on a rock that cannot move. The same yesterday and the same today and the same tomorrow. Thank you, Father. Lord, we know that we're going to face challenges in our life, but that's okay because we choose you. And I know it's not just me. I know that. I know the people in this church are saying the same thing in their heart of hearts. They choose you. Father, I just pray in the days and weeks and months to come that you'll use this body, this family, to shine your light forward, um, just in a way that it, it is different than anything you've done in the past. And God, once again, let everyone see in this county and all the surrounding areas that we choose you. Amen.
0: Wow, well, one of the most encouraging messages I've ever heard. Uh, like many of you, I have already chosen faith, but I choose it afresh and anew today that God will be glorified through my life, my family, and this church. Um, uh, my heart is heavy today as I make this announcement, but Pastor Rocky Russell, due to personal and private matters, has submitted his resignation and will no longer be with us here at River of Life. Now, because of this, I have withdrawn uh, my retirement plans and I will step back into the senior pastor place of leadership. And I thank you for that and, and covet your prayers. Now, with the support of the entire church board and the entire staff, with no division on our part, none whatsoever, uh, by faith, we will move ahead for the glory of God. And God will lead us and God will guide us. Um, tonight at 7 o'clock, right here in the worship center, I will be leading a... Uh, a special prayer service, and I know it's the holidays, but if you can come back and be with us, we would love to have you, but we're going to be praying here this evening for leadership, for guidance, for direction, for the anointing of the Lord. Uh, none of us are smart enough uh, to make the plans we need to make for the future. We need the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit to lead us. So I hope you will will join us again uh, at seven o'clock this evening as we pray.